Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. It's the day after the election, and we're live. Welcome to a special episode of Parts Per Billion. We'll be breaking down how everything that went down last night will affect environmental policy in 2017 and beyond. Hello, and welcome to Parts Per Billion. I'm your host, David Schultz. This episode may sound a little different than the ones we've done in the past because, as I mentioned at the top, we are live. If we make a mistake or mispronounce someone's name or just sneeze or something like that, can't edit that out. Sorry. Uh, anyway, it's a little after 8.30 on a Wednesday, November 7th, the day after a pretty significant election. I'm joined here with my environmental reporter colleagues, Brian Dabbs and Rachel Levin. Thanks for being here, guys. Uh, for the next few minutes, we'll be breaking down what the results will mean for the future of environmental policy. Rachel will be talking about the congressional races and the makeup of the new Congress. Brian will be talking about who will be heading up the EPA and other federal agencies under president to be Donald J. Trump. So, Brian, let's start with you. Uh, you wrote a story a few days ago about uh, who would be the head of the EPA under Trump, and the headline was, List for EPA Chief Short Under Clinton, Trump List Unclear. Uh is the the uh, head of the next EPA will, will that is that still unclear? And uh, if so, why? Uh, yes, David, I think it's very much unclear. Um, veteran old hand uh, uh, environmental policy makers and um, and advocates for industry and environment here in DC have really um, only kind of conjured up a, a few names. Um, that could be potential uh, EPA administrator picks under a Donald Trump administration. Those are mostly drawn from his transition team, which from an environmental standpoint is led by Myron Ebel. Myron Ebel. Myron Ebel, who is the director uh, of the Center for Energy Environment at the conservative think tank, uh, the Competitive Enterprise Institute. Um Myron Ebel has been around Washington, D.C. for a long time, and a lot of climate change advocates uh, refer to him very derisively, um, sometimes using the catchphrase uh, climate change denier in chief. Uh, Mr. Ebel did not uh, respond to uh, our request for comments during, uh, during my reporting. Uh, there are some other names um, in contention, although... Uh, the list, as as you said, um, is very limited. One, you know, 
a few of these candidates, uh, Andrew Wheeler, who is a consultant now, part of the transition team as well under Ebel. Uh, he's he's a Capitol Hill veteran. Used to work for the Senate uh, Environment and Public Works Committee. Um, he did work on a lot of fundamental uh, infrastructure, energy, environmental priorities on uh, on Capitol Hill, and he did kind of usher through some energy bills relating to renewable fuel standards, diesel emissions, and then just a wide range of. Uh, wide range of, of kind of uh, legislation that, that is um, always a priority on the Hill, such as the Water Resources and Development Act, which is currently being conferenced or is, is poised for formal conference uh, once Congress reconvenes. So if, um, if Congress doesn't polish off that legislative work, maybe look to uh, an, individual, an individual like that to kind of um, – kind of help shepherd it through uh, under a Trump administration. Another name, uh, Mike Cantazaro, uh, he was a uh, top advisor to the Bush-Cheney administration on energy environmental uh, policy, also um, also uh, steeped in experience on Capitol Hill. Uh, and I think important to remember, though, that Donald Trump has emphasized um, that he supports clean air, clean water, um, and these, uh, you know, these these core priorities for environmental advocates. Um, although the, I think most observers, most veterans, kind of largely think that that pool, that recruiting pool, or that um, orbit of environmental experts is limited due to his. Uh, due to his rhetoric uh, when it comes to environmental policy, he's said that he wants to, in various ways, uh, scrap, dismantle the EPA, but he has also kind of hedged that recently and said that he wants to uh, keep at least some of it intact. In so there there are a few names. It sounds like Ebel maybe has the inside track, um, uh, but it sounds like it's it's a very uncertain situation. Given how uncertain it is, is how uncertain it is. Uh, is it possible that we could see a vacancy at the head of the EPA for an extended period of time? And uh, if so, what would that mean for the agency's functions day to day? It's a very interesting question. I don't know any reason to believe that that is a big threat. Um, the there are these names in contention. Uh, and and as as a quick side note, there are uh, a, you know a, a multitude of EPA uh, career officials that will that will help shepherd the agency through the transition. You know the the final days of the Obama administration, as well as the people who work you know for an administration, regardless of of the, what party it is. Non political appointees, correct? Um, so I yeah I mean if he wants to fill these vacancies because he will he will overhaul the the agency from a personal standpoint certainly so if he wants to fill these agencies I think what that really comes down to is is Senate confirmations uh, the New Hampshire Senate race right now is still up in the air un, un um, undecided at this point according to the Associated Press and other uh, re- reliable um, evaluators of races. Uh, but the Democrats really only picked up one seat so far, and that is 
Tammy Duckworth in Illinois, meaning uh, Republicans will have a, a modest majority. Uh, typically, you need 60 votes to uh, confirm nominees. There is a possibility that there could be some rule changes that would modify that, but it's far too early in the game to speculate about that. And then thinking about the uh, Obama environmental legacy, uh, you know, there are a few things that sort of come to mind off the top of your head, you know, clean power plan, the waters of the United States rule, uh, implementing the new Tosca legislation, the Paris uh, climate agreement. What are, um, will Trump be able to uh, kind of roll back any of those measures or will it be easy or difficult for him to, I guess, nullify or, or just, um, uh, I guess, take the teeth out of those uh, Obama environmental legacies? So the agency, uh, agency um, regulatory action could be rolled back uh, relatively easily um, under a uh, Trump administration EPA. Uh, you know, WOTUS, so Waters of the United States, um, the, the clean water rule is still waiting through litigation. Um, that could be put on the chopping box as far as well as uh, the clean power plan. Uh, Tosca reform was was passed with really impressive bipartisan support led by um, you know uh, Senate EPW Chairman uh, Jim Inhofe. Um, there's I haven't heard any speculation that that would be um, something that would be put on the chopping block as well. Now the Paris Agreement is a whole different story, and, and he's talked about he's talked uh, very explicitly about scrapping that. Uh, the way he would go about doing that, I think, is is you know up for debate. Certainly, uh, he could withdraw from the from the 1992 Climate Convention that that kind of um, provided the fa- the framework for the for the Paris. Uh, deal to be uh to be signed um you know there is a provision for parties to withdraw uh and then he could also just abandon and ignore the 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 emission reduction targets um so he you know i think we are right now in uncharted territory um but he would likely have a lot of latitude in that respect so uh, the White House uh, and, and the president-elect Trump will not be the only factor in determining whether or not Obama's uh, environmental legacy survives. There's also the matter of Congress. Um, Rachel, do you think that given uh, that you know Republicans now still control the Senate, uh, still control the House, have um, relative, still have a relatively healthy margin in the House, maybe not so much in the Senate as, as much as they used to, um, do you think that Congress will uh, have a say and will be able to uh, roll back or, I guess, uh, mitigate some of the signature Obama environmental uh, achievements? Sure. So I think that one thing that is very unique about energy policy for the upcoming setup of a Republican-controlled White House and Congress is that Donald Trump essentially took the traditional energy Republican energy plan um, and put it as his platform for energy development. Um, So it's one of the areas where there's 
really not disagreement between House Republicans, Senate Republicans, and Donald Trump. It's an area where really they could build probably a unifying um, momentum uh, and pretty easily do so. That's really interesting because there, there were a lot of uh, places where, um, you know, the president or I guess the candidate Trump broke with the Republican Party and broke with Republican orthodoxy. But it sounds like what you're saying is energy and environment is not one of those places that, that on that issue, he has a pretty standard Republican uh, platform. Yeah, I mean, the, the House Republicans especially and some Senate Republicans have taken stances that the Environmental Protection Agency and the Obama administration's actions through other environmental agencies, such as the Interior, are truly government overreach. So they have been on the case of the EPA and the Interior Department for years um, in hearing after hearing and bill after bill. And the fact that now they have a president in the White House who agrees or will have a president in the White House who agrees with that actually gives them a lot of latitude to move forward on um, changing the dynamics of climate action, as well as energy development on federal lands. There are also going to be some new faces in, uh, in, in, on Capitol Hill, uh, maybe not so much uh, uh, members of Congress turning over, but new chairmen of really key committees, new ranking members of key committees. Let's break it down. Uh, for, we'll start off in the Senate. Uh, the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee uh, will have a, a new chairman, a new ranking member. Is that right? Do I, do I have that right? Yes. Um, so the most important thing to remember there is that uh, Chairman, current Senator Inhofe, who's the chairman of the committee, is term limited under Senate Republican term limits, which I believe is about six years. Um, and so he is stepping down. The next senior Republican would have been Senator Vitter, but Senator Vitter is no longer going to be in the Senate. Um, and so that leaves Senator Barrasso. Senator Barrasso has a track. He's from New Mexico, right? No. Whoop, Senator Brasso, where Brasso's from? Wyoming. Why, Wyoming? Brasso's from the great state of Wyoming. I, that was a test. I was just, uh, we were just making sure to see if you knew that he was from Wyoming. I, of course, knew that. Oh, oh of course. Well, I'm, I'm glad I passed. Um, so Senator Brasso has a pretty clear track record of standing against the Obama administration on issues such as the air clean water rule um, and really calling out the Obama administration for overreach. So it'll be interesting to see how that will play. Um, and it seems like Senator Carper will be um, interested in being the ranking member on the Democrat side. And he'll be taking over for Senator Barbara Boxer, a longtime senator from California who will be retiring. Um, and let's move to the uh, Senate Energy Committee. What's, uh, what's happening with that? So that's a really interesting committee at this moment. Um, Senate Energy Committee will continue to be led, uh, likely, by Lisa, Senator Lisa Murkowski, as well as ranking member Senator Cantwell. Both of their offices had told us in days leading up to the election that should the Republicans retain the majority, that both of their um, senators would be interested in remaining in those positions. They have a really strong track record of working well together and compromising, and that means more legislation and more thoughtful legislation moving out of the committee, um, which is a key factor. But there's also the idea of the energy bill, the major energy bill that is currently being 
in conference between the Senate and the House that's in play. I believe it's S-2012. Um, and the idea that the Republicans retained the majority means that the Democrats don't necessarily have that additional leverage that they were hoping for um, in potentially the compromise negotiations for the bill. Um, and we can probably expect the S-2012 to move forward largely as is in the conference um, when it comes out of the conference committee. Um, so you see that, and that'll be during the lame duck. You think that the Democrats will want to get that passed in, during, in the lame duck to avoid a, a more con, in a conservative environment in the next Congress? I think, you know, honestly, on both sides, for both Senator Murkowski and Senator Cantwell, both of them have been very dedicated to getting this through um, this session no matter what. Um, but one interesting thing that um, one of Senator Murkowski's former aides was telling me in the lead up to um, this election is that Senator Murkowski may revisit some of the things that the that um, are already in this current Senate energy bill, um, which is an interesting idea that she it makes clear that she really did compromise. She thinks that they need to take a second look, for example, at permitting reform. Um, but it also clears her agenda to look at other issues that she thinks are needing to be addressed, such as Western water issues. Let's move over to the House. Uh, energy and commerce. Uh, what is happening with that committee? Where Are there any uh, big shifts in line there? Uh, so the current chairman is uh, Congressman Fred Upton. He has reached his term limits um, and will be not seeking a waiver. He will be stepping down as chairman. Um, and there are three individual congressmen who are vying for that spot um, or who have expressed interest in that spot. The front runner is uh, Congressman Shimkus, um, and his main contender is Congressman Walden, although Congressman Barton from Texas, uh, who previously, who's considered Chairman Emeritus, um, has also received confirmation from the um, House leadership that he can vie for that spot as well and receive an exception. So that's going to be a really uh, competitive uh, race, I guess, to look at in the the months and weeks ahead about who, uh, you know, who among these three congressmen can receive this the chairmanship of this committee and who the leadership of, of their party backs. That'll be really interesting. Uh, natural resources. Um, how is that shaping out to be House Natural Resources Committee? That is a committee where the status quo is pretty much going to remain. I mean, uh, Congressman Bishop recently took helm of that committee this past session. Um, I believe he still has plenty on his agenda that he had previously expressed that he would like to get passed, and some of which, some of the um, areas that he had wanted to pass legislation, uh, those pieces of legislation weren't necessarily amenable in the Senate, or they didn't stand to get a signature from the president. So really, a President Trump could mean more action for their committee. Um, additionally, ranking member uh, Grijalva from Arizona uh, was also new to that committee last session and very much is passionate about this issue and wants to stay on the committee. All right. Well, it'll be fun to uh, watch how this all plays out in the, the weeks ahead. But uh, thank you both for, for coming out and chatting with me so early in the morning. And uh, we will be back in two weeks uh, with another episode of Parts Per Billion. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. 
At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.